Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis and New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Thanks, Zubaida, for, for coming on. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. So, so Zubaida has an awesome Instagram TV series that we came across um, that was super, super awesome, really enlightening stuff about women's empowerment, philosophy, and really like various issues that we come across as South Asians or even just as people. Um, you know, during this pandemic time, we, we find ourselves in our thoughts more we're alone with our thoughts more. And I, I think the questions and things that you talk about are really inspiring um, and shed light on a lot of great issues. And one of these issues is woman empowerment. And how would, how would you describe that in a simple way? I, I know it's such a complicated question um, to try to condense into one, one thing, but how would you describe it? Well, um, I'm really glad that that's uh, the feeling that you get from the information that I'm putting out. Really appreciative. And uh, yep. women's empowerment to me is just another evolution or form of humanity. That's the simplest way I would say it. Okay. Could you, could you break that down a little bit? What, what do you mean by, by an evolution, specifically the evolution part? So, in that, so basically you take all lives matter. That's one evolution of humanity. You know, women's empowerment is just another way to show that each human being matters no matter where they come from, what they look like, what their biological making is. You know, it's just another form of humanity because there's so many causes. And to me, that those are just evolutions of trying to make people understand that we're all human beings and we all deserve, you know, respect, care, love, everything. So that's what humanity is to me and uh, an evolution of humanity is feminism or women empowerment. Okay. And how, how do you think people view the, the term feminism? Like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great questions. I think, you know, even myself at one point, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to identify as a feminist or if I'm, you know, or a part of the feminist uh, cause because people just get like a cringy feeling to it um, because in our minds we kind of just imagine a group of women just man-hating and really loud and all of these things um, right. I think yeah right um, had you thought of uh, uh, that way that people kind of had this idea yeah I mean it, it feels if it feels like the energy around feminism at first started off as these are some really angry, very outspoken women who yeah. obviously have a lot of pent up feelings about how they've been treated um, societally, like familially, and now are speaking about this. But right. Like that, yeah, sorry. go ahead, go ahead. It, it seems like that term has evolved and there's a mass consciousness that this term actually means equality and doesn't, it doesn't mean that women are more than men. It, we're just saying like, give us the same things. Absolutely. And that's the thing. The reason why I want to talk about it so much, like I have a tendency of talk, talking about a lot of things that people don't want to talk about on Instagram, maybe not the most popular or glamorous topics. And that's because there's a, there's a consciousness, consciousness of people just thinking that feminism is this like whole big ugly word, you know, and that's not the case. It's not, it's really not that because if you believe that all lives matter, then you're a feminist because you want women to succeed as well, just as much as men. So 
that's one of the reasons why I talk so much about it. Right. And in America, at least, it seems like everyone, almost everyone is on the same page that women should have the same rights, same pay, um, things of that nature, even if it's not actually manifesting in real life. Mm -hmm. But I find feminism to be an interesting topic in the South Asian community. And as both both of us are Desi girls and have experienced different things growing up, what what would you say the difference is in the US versus like the Desi culture about opinions on feminism? So I think in Bangladesh compared to US, there's a lot of similarities, um, you know, because we're coming as immigrants here and then we're, it's still trickling in some forms. But, you know, there's still things such as child marriages going on back there. Right. Where girls don't even turn 18 and they're already, you know, and we're pro, even myself, I was born in, uh, in New York City, but I was programmed from such a young age that I'm going to get married by a certain age. I'm not, <laughs> so, but, but that's what I grew up thinking. And I had to make a change and make choices in my life uh, once I was conscious of it. So in Bangladesh, girls don't really have that choice. And I mean, even coming from, you know, kids, girls, young girls being denied, you know, enough food or enough medical attention uh, because it's all going to the sons because the sons are going to be taking care of us. Mm-hmm. And then that, and that increases, you know, the mortality rates. So those are a little bit, you know, more deeper cases in Bangladesh than here. Like we still, and you know, domestic violence, of course, that is just a given over there. It's like, this is totally normal right. here. It still happens here, of course, but maybe not as much as, you know, but back in Bangladesh, because we do have more awareness here. Women do feel more uh, supported maybe here than over there because there's not a lot of advocacy for women over there, you know? So it's, it's different, but it's, you know, we have still trickling traces here in the U.S. Right. The thing that, one thing I noticed in Bangladesh, uh, sorry, as a resident man, I, I noticed is that I think in Bangladesh, the um, the gender roles, the traditional gender roles, are amplified in the upper class. Um, I'm sorry, in the lower in the in the lower class um, mm-hmm. family. So, for example, if you're really wealthy, I mean, uh, you, you'll see uh, uh, families push for education for for their um, you know daughters. Um, whereas I think for people that are living in like you know more in poverty, it's it's less prevalent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's amazing that, you know, women are still have the options, but when they don't and they're in poverty, it's like that's when it will have such a huge gap between, okay, we're going to support the men as opposed to the women or the young right. girls, young boys. I, I also see another another trend happening where you have women who are very educated and at least in America, become very westernized, like our generation. And they're viewed as ultra-modern. I'm putting air quotes. Um, <laughs> by, by our parents' generation. And that term always comes off with, like, you know, it, it's not as straightforward as, as, as it seems. Um, it's, it's almost seen in a negative light that, oh, she's very educated or um, she's almost, like, too good for fulfilling traditional familial roles of 
being a wife or a mother. And I guess this is a talk that comes back to the marriage talk. Um, but I, I hate how they use the word like ultra modern in, in that way, you know? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's because women are supposed to take care of Shangsha. That's what we're supposed to do. And if you're trying to do everything, it's like, well, you can't do everything. And if you are like, you're lacking in something, for example, you're coming home too late to make, you know, your family food. Well, there's a problem in that, you know, it's like, you can't be this modern person, um, doing it all. It just, you have to pick one. Whereas, you know, why don't we, you know, empower the whole family to help each other out. And I can still also, you know, maintain my goals as a career oriented woman who is also Bengali, who is also a mother, who is also, you know, uh, taking care of my husband, but also my husband's taking care of me. Like it's like a bad thing to be modern. Right. Yeah. Any yeah. Western, you know, ideas of that. Hey, we're, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And, and in some way it, it feels like that, balancing act of balancing a career or balancing living in the western world and being someone who can fulfill traditional shangsha roles is our generation's challenge whereas mm-hmm. our mothers or our aunties generations their challenge was more of assimilating to western culture given that they came here presumably with one suitcase and mm-hmm. didn't know the language that well and had to figure out everything from scratch you know yeah and yeah. I think we don't, it almost feels like we don't get enough credit for that as, as they see women who live in America. To find uh, a balance. Of course we don't. I mean, I don't think, I don't think, personally, I don't think women get enough credit to begin with because I see mothers just doing amazing and really taking care of the family and still working. And I'm just like, I'm in tears seeing that, that their, maybe their husband or their communities or their in-laws don't give them the praise or affection or appreciation that they deserve. But my, my issue is that we as women just, we don't, yeah, we don't get the appreciation, but we need to know it ourselves that what we're doing and that's what changes our life. And, and the rest of the world will just have to catch up because otherwise we're just making ourselves, you know, kind of upset that society's just not understanding. Well, they will understand when we value ourselves, and that when we say, you know what, I am doing my best, I am balancing both. You know, we need to be proud of ourselves before people can even start to, to do that because that's just the way it works, you know? Right. And but even even within the female community, and I think you touched on this in one of your Instagram videos, women have the tendency to both build each other up, but also tear each other down. And I think that latter part of tearing each other down is so vicious, and <laughs> is so <laughs> counterproductive to any progress we're making in in you know like building a community, um, especially like a desi female empowerment kind of community. You know, can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Of course, I think this is actually this is actually one of the reasons why my women's series started, because growing up, it's, we all have this idea that you know, bros have this bromance, but girls like they can never have a friendship. They can they always get into fights, cat fights, this and that. And I just 
I, re- I was really upset about it because I love all my girlfriends. Like I'm obsessed with them. I want them to win. I want them to be happy for me. I want them to be happy for me too. I'm right. not trying to compete with them. I want all of us to win. And we, one, we have this idea of lack of that. We can't all be amazing. We can't all be beautiful. We can't all be smart. We have the, we have this idea that we need to be the smartest, the prettiest, the best, because you know, it's just ingrained in us. And, and that's kind of what starts this competition that we feel. And my thing is that when the world, you know, we're talking here about um, the gender wage gap and, you know, all of these things, when the world is already telling us that we're not equal or, you know, whatever the case is, why would we be the ones to tell each other that we're not good enough, that we are not pretty enough, that we're not doing enough? Why would we be, we're, we're sisters, you know, like we're fighting the same battle here. We're fighting the same thing where we can't dress a certain way. We can't look a certain way. We can't be outspoken. We can't do any of these things. We're fighting the same battle. Why would we want to put each other down? It just doesn't make any sense to me, you know? And that's right. why, that's why my, my series started of, can we just start to be happy for one another, no matter where we are. For example, in one of my videos, I said, you know, what if you're, what if you're unmarried, you know, you're unmarried and you're, you're a career oriented person, but this other woman is married and is career oriented and is having kids and she's doing amazing. Can you still just be happy for her? Okay. Mm. Let's just be happy for one another. Right. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. I, I just remember something that I came across yesterday. Um, it's kind of related to this. And there's a Ramadan series by Omar Suleiman, and he, he does this whole thing on angels. Um, and he mentioned that one of the best things you can do when you think about someone or come across someone on social media, let's say, um, is to immediately fill your thoughts and your head with like a supplication or a dua for them. Mm-hmm. to like wish them well like before you even think about any opinions on oh this person just got married like just ward off any envy and just like fill it with something positive and mm-hmm. that way you start to like wire your brain to just immediately respond with something positive instead of trying to put someone down or think about it in a like critical way which can also be damaging to your own mental health absolutely and i think uh i think one thing we do is is the whole comparing thing so uh that's what starts off in us having that negative thought and and in general in your mental health like having any you know being conscious of okay there's a negative thought in my mind okay let me let me just let me change it because you do have the power that's one thing that we don't realize that we do have the power to change our thoughts which changes our feelings but the thought of comparison, we don't, we don't, we're not even consciously realizing that this is what we're doing. We're comparing. Why are we comparing? Because probably our parents have compared us to our cousins that are doing 10 times better than us growing right. up. So now we're in this competitive state and we're comparing us to our friends, girls that we love. Why are we comparing or, or fighting with them or, you know, like we love them, but we don't even realize that we're in the state of comparison. We're in the state of negative thought probably because we've been conditioned to be this way, to compare ourselves. Right. Yeah. And that, that's so wired in with, with me- mental health that you also talk a lot about in your series. Yes, for yeah. sure. I think a lot of people don't know the power of their mind, and which is why we get into a lot of, you know, trouble or negativity or, you know, 
at, at one point or another, we have to see how much negativity we are actually allowing in our life. And it's kind of hard to understand because like, no, how can I be accepting any of this? How, how, is, how am I having any control? At the end of the day, it's, it's one of the hardest things that I can communicate to people that we do have power over how much negativity we consume in our personal life. You know, maybe we are a certain way in society, but there is some sort of control that you have in your personal life, especially growing up as, you know, bicultural identity, being American, being Bengali together. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live in the dysfunction that is sometimes comes with our culture. I love being Bengali. I love it so much. But there are certain things that are just negative that we are programmed with. And we do have some sort of control over it, even though sometimes our hands seem tied. Yeah. I mean, what's what's one thing that you see in in the younger Bengali generation that completely drives you nuts? So there's a couple things. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but and and it's a lot of things that I have lived through myself as well. Um, but thankfully, you know, with the right influences, with the right knowledge, with the right research, like I've just, it's, it's my, you know, the thing is the only way your life will change is how much you want it to. So I speak to so many young Desi girls, a lot of Mangala girls and, and, you know, from all different, you know, South Asian countries, the one thing that we all have in common, especially in our Bengali culture is the control aspect um, of that you can't do this or you can't do that, especially as a woman. You know, girls will say, my brother will get away with murder, but I can't, you know? Right. And again, it's it's not to say, like, I, I do not put down women, I mean, men at all, because part of being feminism is also letting men know that, hey, there are certain things that, you know, that would be good for you to know as well as a feminism, even as a feminist, even though men don't think that they need to be involved whatsoever. But young girls what we do with the control is like you know for example let's say there's a young girl that wants to do the study abroad program not allowed can't do it mm. you know you can't do it unless you have somebody go with you you know and and each family will have it tailored to their own you know uh, requirements of what you what can allow you to go or no you can't go whatsoever but maybe a, you're cousin or brother can go you know and and there's a certain uh, understanding that we have to get to that one day we will have to grow up we will have to make certain decisions and you know people may get mad and say well you know then you're disrespecting but at the end of the day are you really disrespecting if you just want to do the study abroad program is that a disrespect you know can we can we come to an understanding that i'm not trying to disobey i'm not trying to ruin your reputation you know there this is when i say that i love bengali culture i love being bengali but there are certain things that are just not accurate they're just not accurate you know right so one thing that i one thing that i you know it really really it, it's not even irritating it hurts me to know that we limit ourselves to certain things because we can't disobey because we can't seem as a bad you know woman or like um disrespectful woman or living by our own ultra modern like oh you want to be ultra modern and travel who do you think you are like i think that's a little bit much you know so one thing that really does you know upset me is that we think limitedly whereas you know a lot of the time it's like yeah well my parents will this is how it is and stuff like that okay but what what gets to me is like let's think of a way we can make this work let's let's how can we how can we um how can we get to a point where okay let's 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 brainstorm 
okay, I don't want this life. I want to be limitless or I want to be able to bend a couple, not bend a couple rules, but try to make myself happy too, because we deserve to be happy. And if that means that, you know, it means that you're going to choose a different career or actually go ahead and have a career, you know, or not get married or whatever it is that you want to do, don't feel limited. I mean, you know, some people will be like, you know, I'll talk to a young girl and say, okay, so do you want to go to school? What do you want to do? Like, yeah, I'm thinking I want to do this, but you know, I have to get married at a certain age and all this stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, and I can't even blame anyone because I had the same exact thoughts. I got my master's right after undergrad because I was like, oh my God, they're going to marry me off. I need to finish this, you know, whereas I wish I would have just waited a little bit more time, matured a little, and then gone to school. I mean, it all worked out at the end of the day, but my thing is, you know, I wish girls would just be a little bit less limiting in their own thoughts. That's one thing. Right. I mean, have you seen the new Netflix series Becoming with Michelle Obama? No, I didn't. Oh, you would love it. Okay, really I'm gonna put that on my list. <laughs> but there's there's a part in there where where Michelle says that, you know, she she went to Harvard Law School and she was she was a practicing lawyer. And once she married Barack and and they had kids, um, she reached a point where she she said that I can't do law anymore. I I just physically can't balance these two things. So I'm gonna give up my career for the part time and and raise you know, raise, raise my family. And it's not like Barack said that you can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. but, but this brings up another point that I see in a lot of, um, a lot of women, even in our mothers and aunties generation and also our generation that once they get married, you know, all, all the education that they had, all the dreams and aspirations that they had to be X, Y, Z profession mm-hmm. kind of get watered down or like put in the drain once they start their quote unquote shangshar. Mm-hmm. And that that's so heartbreaking to me because there's so much potential there that was never actually fulfilled. And you know how how do you how do you have a conversation with someone about that and and tell you know the the this woman that you talk to that you know like you can you don't have to give up those dreams or why why can't you do both? I I think one thing is that women in our culture or in many South Asian cultures are just not empowered to be world changers, to be breadwinners, to be this, you know, we're expected to take care of the family. And once that family comes, like, then it's like, okay, well, you have to take care of the family on top of your career, or you have to let your career go. It's not like, we're not influenced in the way that, you know, your husband can also, you know, help you do both you know because a lot of the i'll speak to mothers oh my goodness like some of my patients are mothers that are career oriented that have you know that are nurses or you know just many different um career paths yet they are also having to take care of the kids and the household um and that's totally okay my thing is like okay can we start to to kind of have the conversation where gender roles are just not there, that we are a family unit, you know, whether we, we all get fed. It's not like, you know, I feed the kids and I make, you know, I make you dinner as well. And I'm not trying to sound like, Oh, you know, um, I'm not trying to sound like one of those females that are coming at you with an ax, you know, but it's true. If you have mothers that are, you know, working and stuff, 
we can we can start to have these conversations with our husbands, with our fathers, with our uncles, with our brothers that hey, like we need some help or we have the right to to have both lives because we want them both. You know, why is it that the and and, and I'm happy to know that there are many uh, families that are making it work this way that you know there the gender roles are not you know so strict i'm not saying that it doesn't happen i'm not saying that the world is not changing but i think we need more and those people that are still stuck in that you know old age thinking of where i need to you know give up one thing or the other you know that's where we need to give more attention we need to empower those people to say you know i'm not saying that oh men suck and they don't need they don't do any of the right things it's like well, sometimes we just have to have the conversation, be empowered enough to understand that you can have both. Maybe your whole life you've been told that you can't. Maybe you've been told your whole life that you're expected one thing, but it doesn't have to be that way. And my question to everyone is, how do you want your life to look like? And how do we get you there? What kind of conversations can we start to have? And who do you need to have them with is the most important for me in that topic. Right. And what's, what's one way that men could help then? Okay, so um, men helping is, is really important in the fact that you can start to support your, um, your sister, your mother, your aunt, your, you know, and, we, and to be sensitive enough to listen to the stories and not kind of outright judge or, or or say that we know how to listen. I, I think you know, from a, a man's perspective, and I'll be completely honest with you. You know, the the idea of feminism and and equal opportunity, it really didn't really come to the to the front of my mind until I had a sister, like like you were talking about, and I started to think about the, about whether you know I want that I want her to have the same opportunities that I had, and I started thinking about, wow, is that really available? And and you're right. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, I've worked in corporate America for so long and I've noticed that, you know, it's just the way things are. I mean, if, you know, uh, a man and a woman, uh, a woman can act the same exact way, but she'll be called demanding where a man will be, you know, thought to have taken charge. Um, That's just the way it is. So it's, you know, so I guess for men like me, what what are some of the things that we can do to help? So one thing that I would say is definitely to be open to listening to the stories. I think a lot of what happens, and I've seen this many times over where men just don't want to listen. They just say, well, you know, and they have this idea of feminism. I don't blame anyone for anything. I really don't. A lot of, a lot of these things happen because we're conditioned. This is our environment. This is what, how we were raised. I don't blame anyone, but, you know, being able to listen to you know, your sisters, your cousins, and respecting them enough to understand that, you know, there are other, maybe the other women in society are not your, you know, your family. Because, you know, something that, something that I saw the other day was, (laughs) oh my God, I wish I could read it to you. It said, um, it said that imagine being next to a, you know, your, your husband that you just gave birth and you have a girl. And now the, the man says, wow, I finally understand that women, you know, women need to have some rights or, you know, and then, but you were the wife the whole entire time. You know, you were a woman in his life, but, you know, he has a daughter now and he's thinking about how the, 
they should have rights or, you know, we all have mothers. Even I myself was thinking, you know, why am I a feminist? Do I, is it really that important? But my mother has gone through so much herself and I myself didn't even think about it until recently I've grown up now and I've been seeing how my mother had to deal with and, you know, what she had to go through in Bangladesh. So I think as men, it's like, listen to the stories of women, listen to what they're going through, because maybe for a long time, I wasn't listening to my mom and my mom was there all along. Why am I not a feminist? Why am I not standing up for, you know, what my mother went through, what my aunts went through, you know, and then, you know, we have, again, we have men that have daughters, then they finally realize, but you had your wife all along. You know, sometimes a lot of these things are right in front of us, but we just don't think we, for some reason, we're not thinking about these things. So as men to listen to the stories, to, you know, understand that women also have needs or wants of attention, you know, of, and, 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 and that's what, fosters women to be so mad hating because sometimes we just not heard and then we go nuts you know we just we, we don't have it we'll go nuts whereas like all we needed was like our husband our you know our brother our what just to listen to what's going on that's it and to be compassionate and, and then another thing is that men don't feel like they can actually say well i'm a feminist because other men will make fun of them. Other, and, and I've even heard men say, you know, I didn't like the locker room talk. I hated that. And, you know, like, I didn't like this kind of conversations that men were degrading women. And I felt like I couldn't be a part of that. I had to de- disassociate myself with certain people that thought that that was okay. So I feel like men... It's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to be, you know, listening to other... Because the thing is, I think a lot of people put down other people, whether you're a male or female, of being sensitive, emotional, passionate. Why do we do that? I don't know why we do that. But people are made fun of this, especially men, whereas men's like men don't feel like they can be compassionate, be be vulnerable. And that's a huge issue. And that's why and that's what a lot of it was is what fosters angry angerness, you know, being angry uh, in relationship it doesn't mean it's okay, but I'm saying that because men are expected to be this male figure and do, you know, you know, have no emotion, be a man, don't cry, all these things. I think all of it needs to, to change over time. You know, like it's our, I think now it's okay for, you know, men, it's always been, it's always been, but now, like you were saying that it's our generation that has to show that, you know, we all can be strong. Men and women can be strong. Men and women can be empathetic. Men and women, we, this is what I mean, going back to humanity, we're all just human beings. Yes, we could be genetically and biologically made up differently. Nobody's saying anything about that, though, you know, I have seen men and women do amazing things physiologically as well. But what I'm saying is that we can all just be human and we have these emotions. You cannot ignore that men have these emotions too. So one thing I would say, listen to the stories of the female in your own you know, community, your own family, respect them, listen to their stories, give them the attention that they deserve and their respect, especially if they're just doing all of these things in their life, balancing so many different hats. And also you yourself, like men themselves being, you know, assuming these traits that are just supposed to be women. No, they're not. You know, being able to also be vulnerable and communication and all of the good things, you know, for them to, to experience that as well. I mean, beyond that, what, what do you think some, uh, some institutional and societal changes can be made um, for this to be equal opportunity? I mean, you talked a little bit about, you know, the pay, the, the gap in, uh, you know, gender pay. 
you know, things like that. What other things do you think can be, um, needs to be, it needs to happen? So I think, uh, um, because, uh, a lot of these, we're all in the workforce basically. So we're, we're concerned with those, you know, laws and regulations and stuff like that. One thing that I was talking about was, um, was having these policymakers, for example, like maternity leave and paternity leave, like that can't be a woman making that law, you know, having representation, having more passionate people, you know, to, to stand up for what's right. I mean, in my opinion, I think a mother wants to be with their child for a little bit longer, you know, because that just shows that, you know, you have to choose your career over your family. For me, I believe that we need more passionate people that want to represent women. I don't think there's enough women representation in making these policies. But also when we have the stigma of feminism, <clears throat> when, <clears throat> excuse me, when we have the stigma of feminism, we're not going to have enough people that are, you know, wanting to do research and, and, and development and getting into those conversations of changing these policies, getting people, women more represented there. So I think that idea of the, the maternity and paternity leave, like that's just something very, you know, that bothers me a lot. And I think we need more representation, more passionate people and the stigma to because I think there's a lot of people that could be world changers without the stigma. You know, I think there would be a lot more feminists, a lot more people in advocacy, you know, making change in our community. But with the stigma, there's not a lot of it. Or not enough to make the changes that we need in these policies. So I think one thing that men, some men are probably concerned with is that obviously some men probably do want equal opportunity and, you know, they have mothers and sisters, like you said, and they're willing to, you know, grant equal opportunity, but they're concerned about taking something away from themselves. So they don't want to lose opportunity. Um, well, so what would you say to, to men that have that sort of mindset? So I think that men sometimes may think that, uh, supporting women could is is not supporting equality because then we're only focusing on women. But for example, when you have um, like for example laws, N laws are not all the same for men and women. You know, sometimes women are given more leniency. So it's not the fact that being in support of women is taking away from you, but it's in support of yourself too. Uh, so being able to speak up for the women in your communities also still there are still in in feminism there's still like i said for the men not being able to you know be emotional or or show that way so it's not necessarily taking opportunities or taking attention away from men's there are men's right activist groups too people a lot of people don't even know what that is you know so there are programs out there to support men in their, you know, whether it's job search or, you know, whether it's uh, trying to find, you know, places to live, there are still groups that are focusing on men. So it's not that if you do support women that you're going to be taking away from yourself. It's just, again, it's just for humanity so that we are all getting the support that we need. So feminism or women's empowerment does not necessarily mean that you're going to be lacking anything. You know, one thing we didn't cover earlier, I'm just curious, what's your background and what made you um, really want to make this uh, a focal point of, of your Instagram page? So I have a background in mental health. 
if that's what you mean, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So I have a background in mental health. I studied psychology uh, for undergrad and then mental health for, you know, for 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 um, grad school. And uh, I became a therapist right after. Um, and I, I, again, I focus really on empowering each and every human being, whether you're a male or a female. Now, I will say, when I started having more male patients, uh, and really getting into, I mean, I always believed like there's, you know, growing up, like, yeah, we had this, you know, difference in men and women and emotions and all of these things. And, but I always believed like, no, men have feelings too. Men, you know, men also, you know, have these thoughts and feelings. Maybe we just don't have enough attention. When I started getting more male patients, I was like, see, I knew it, you know, like they open up to me, they start talking to me and it's great. So, you know, for me personally, I just want to empower each and every human being, no matter who they are, where they come from, what their story is. Um, and and that that's that's my background. Like I've loved it. I've loved, you know, understanding people since I was very, very young. And somehow it just manifested into this is what my career is. And and yeah, that's and, and the focal point of it being recently a lot more towards feminism is just because I just want women to be able to love one another, but also empower themselves to get every single thing that they want. Um, and, and we can all do it together. I think there's an idea of lack of we can't all, you know, be the best, but, you know, we can all do our best. Yeah. What are some things that you have, uh, um, have uh, what are some goals for the future? What else do you have uh, going on? So uh, right now I am just really focused on, I guess, changing the consciousness of my community, you know, which is one of the reasons why I started putting more and more videos out there because I know, because recently um, I did a talk at St. John's University and uh, it was just for, it was an organization that just recently started for women, for South Asian women's empowerment. There was these beautiful young girls, intelligent, smart, strong, you know, and, and to think that, and they're only just a couple years younger than me, you know, um, and they're still kind of dealing with all of those things that I did. So my, my intention is to just continue to do things like this and um, really change the consciousness, ha be, take a really large role in, the, in, in our generation of, of mixing both, you know, our bicultural identities, being able to mix being Desi, being Bengali, and being American, like it's okay because I feel like a lot of us have, um, you know, have the, oh, being ultra modern is wrong. I really want to change that. I want us to feel empowered, like, yeah, and, and not having to say it. Cause then I feel like we all have to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm domesticated and my rotis are really round and all these things. And I'm also career oriented. We don't have to answer to anyone, you know, just be is my point. I want to take a really large hand in that. And, you know, eventually personally, you know, I'll have a practice of my own where I will, you know, provide therapy and, and, you know, just be a really great, great part of, of changing the consciousness of our, of our community. And also the, the, uh, remove the stigma when it comes to therapy, right? Cause that's a, definitely oh, an issue yeah. in our, in our community. Absolutely. And you know, every time I hear, um, young girls and guys, especially if they're Daisy, you know, in general, mental health has a stigma, but then kick it up a notch and, and make and, and be Daisy is even worse, you know? So anytime I see anyone that kind of is just like getting to help, cause people will think that, Oh, what is therapy going to do for me? It's like, 
it's everything for you. It's your space to actually, because a lot of the things is like, when we go to school, we're not taught to, hey, pay attention to what you're thinking about. Pay attention to the actions that you take. You know, it's, I, I really love cognitive behavioral therapy. And we're not taught that when we're young. We're not taught to, hey, think about your feelings. What are you thinking? What are you doing? You know, we're not taught that. So then we go out into the world and just, just do everything, <laughs> you know, anything and everything. And we're not paying attention to what we're doing. So that's all therapy is. It's just give you a space to really evaluate your life and then make plans for what you want to do later on or how you want to change to be better. That's it. It's nothing like, you know, we have this idea of what it is and the stigma and it really affects us. And when I see young girls and guys actually, you know, doing, and then they tell me how much of a change it is. And I'm like, I hope that you, you know, feel empowered to, when you see somebody else that needs help to be there for them, but also let them know that, Hey, you know, there's a really great place you can go. And that space is therapy. If, if you so do choose to do so, you know, just being that advocate that you've experienced it. So why don't, why not like shed a little bit more light, no matter what, you know, maybe your aunties, uncles, they see people are saying it's okay. You know, it's nothing, it's nothing out crazy. It's just, if our schools were teaching cognitive behavioral therapy or, you know, how to think and how to, you know, manage your feelings, how to feel empowered. If our schools were teaching that, then that's another thing. That's a whole different topic, our education system. But you know, if our schools are teaching that, maybe therapy wouldn't be such a such a necessity or so such a stigma to it. If our schools were teaching, you know, psychology from such a much younger age, so yeah. Uh, so thank you so much, Zubaida, for for coming on. We we touched on so many awesome topics, and of course, we left out so much. I mean, like from the top of my head, just thinking about double standards and dating, um, double standards and other things that we can do as women, and also men um to help remove the stigma but you know i i really encourage you to start a podcast or something like this is such an awesome topic and you have so much to say um but we we really value that you came out and shared a little bit of that with us at boni and the the rest of the bengalis of new york community here so thank you so much thank you very very much for having me i really appreciate it and i know that you know i've said a lot and if anyone even you too if anyone has anything to say to me please i'm always open to talk and even if you didn't like something i said or if something was you know if you need more information on it i will always 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 be here always open to talk and thank you so much for having me here i i really really appreciate the conversation we gotta come up with a a cool name for this episode three cons three cons yeah (laughs) that's awesome i love it i love it wrath of wrath of cons (laughs) i love it that's a great one that's great that's That's great we gotta do it (laughs) cool all right thank Thank you you so much right here I gotta be honest With diamonds and pearls Yeah, yeah Bengalis in New York All over the world uh, It's the bony show uh, hey, Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live From the slang we spit To the gangs we with It doesn't matter We the essence of the Bangladesh I say, hey, come on Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live From the slang